Transitions abound across the universe as we move closer and closer to the end of the year. Time speeds along at a fast pace, and the various pressures we face appear to be constantly squeezing. It's October 22nd, 2021, the 295th day of the year, and this is the appropriate installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, a newsletter and podcast that seeks to serve as a barometer of sorts in a world where not everything is as it seems. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. On today's program, a company that wants to take a shot at a male contraceptive gets a shot of funding. Boosters are authorized for the Moderna and Johnson & Johnson vaccines. Regional updates from the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission, including updates on broadband expansion. And ground is broken for the School of Data Science at the University of Virginia. today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out. Are you interested in picking up some new fibrous friends? On Saturday, the Jefferson Madison Regional Library invites you to Gordon Avenue for a front porch plant swap. Bring a healthy plant or a cutting on October 23rd between 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. and exchange it for another in an event that also includes a selection of plant-related library resources, including plant care cards with QR codes to help your new friend develop deep roots. That's the Front Porch Plant Swap at the Gordon Avenue branch of the library. Visit jmrl.org to learn more. It's been a few days since a newsletter, so let's catch up first on today's COVID numbers. The September surge is now in the past, with new case numbers continuing to decline in Virginia. The seven-day average is currently 1,688 new cases a day. Compare that to 3,486 a day as registered on September 22nd. The seven-day percent positivity has declined to 6.5%. In the Blue Ridge Health District, there are another 50 new cases reported today. The percent positivity is at 5.5%. Though numbers are currently on a downward trend, that may not remain the case. Dr. Kosti Safri is the Director of Hospital Epidemiology at the University of Virginia. We're all hopeful that we're on the backside of this Delta wave right now. We also do recognize that we're heading into colder, drier times right now, that um, we're going into the respiratory virus season, the so-called cold and flu season, cold flu and maybe COVID season. Dr. Sifri said people need to continue to keep their guard up against community spread by continuing to wear masks, to wash hands, and all of the preventive measures that have been recommended over the course of the pandemic. This week, the Centers for Disease Control cleared the way for booster shots of the Moderna and the Johnson & Johnson vaccines. For the Moderna third dose, that would be for people over the age of 65 and those with underlying health conditions. For Moderna, um, it's similar to um, the Pfizer dose. It would be um, a third dose. For both the Pfizer and the Moderna, um, the booster eligibility is six months after the completion of your primary series, that initial um, two-dose series. And there is a difference in the dose for the booster dose for the, for the Moderna vaccine. It's a, it's a half dose compared to what's used for the primary series. The Johnson & Johnson booster is a second dose that Dr. Sifri said will be available to anyone over the age of 18, regardless of underlying health conditions. 
And I can tell you, you know, here at UVA, and I'm sure you know, at the Blue Ridge Health District as well, and um, in local pharmacies, we are gearing up to provide those vaccines um, available through local resources. More information as it comes available. A Charlottesville-based company that wants to bring a male contraceptive to market recently announced the securing of $10.7 million in new capital financing. Contraline will use the funding to begin a human trial of their Adam, a hydrogel implant. Here's a bit from the release. The Adam hydrogel is injected into the vas deferens through a quick and minimally invasive outpatient procedure where it's designed to block the flow of sperm. The trial will take place in Melbourne, Australia, and has been sanctioned by the Human Research Ethics Committee there. The press release states that this is the first human trial for a male contraceptive in a couple of decades. Ground has been broken for construction of the new School of Data Science at the University of Virginia. According to UVA Today, officials marked the occasion with a ceremony on Thursday. The new building is within the 14-acre Emmett Ivy Corridor, which will also include a hotel and conference center, as well as other uses that have not yet been announced. The school is being funded in part through a $120 million gift to UVA from the Quantitative Foundation and Merrill and Jaffrey Woodruff. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and it's time now for our second Patreon-fueled shout-out. Charlottesville 350 is the local chapter of a national organization that seeks to reduce dependence on fossil fuels. Charlottesville 350 uses online campaigns, grassroots organizing, and mass public actions to oppose new coal, oil, and gas projects and build 100% clean energy solutions that work for all. To learn more about their most active campaigns, including a petition drive to the Richmond Federal Reserve Bank, visit their Facebook page at facebook.com slash threeville350. This week, Governor Ralph Northam's press office sent out a message announcing that Virginia's government and the private sector have teamed up on over $2 billion in investments in broadband. The goal is to have the state on track to have universal broadband access by 2024. This work is coordinated through the Virginia Telecommunications Initiative, or VATI. The Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission has made one of 57 applications from across Virginia for $943 million in available funding in the latest round of VATI funding. Those applications will leverage $1.15 billion in private funding. The program is run by the Virginia Department of Housing and Community Development. David Blunt is the deputy director of the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission and their legislative liaison. These applications are all posted online, so other service providers are able to see those applications to see uh, what the projected service areas to be covered are. Uh, and then if they believe that they uh, already have service or provide the opportunity for service in a particular area, then they can indicate that they want to challenge the application or that portion of the application. The challenges are due on October 24th. The TJPDC's application is part of the Regional Internet Service Expansion Project, or RISE. The private aspect consists of Firefly Fiber Broadband, Dominion, and several electric cooperatives. The public aspect includes 13 counties as far south as Campbell County, south of Lynchburg.
TJPDC's request is for $85.9 million for a $307.8 million project. Localities have put up $35.3 million in local matching funds. The application proposes uh, putting 4,300 miles of fiber uh, either in the air or underground, uh, passing over 40,000 total locations. Blunt said TJPDC's role would be to administer the project. He made his comments at the October 4, 2021 meeting of the TJPDC's Board of Commissioners. At the same meeting, Dale Herring of the Green Board of Supervisors reported that short-term rentals are no longer allowed in that county's residential districts. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depends which side of the fence you were on, that was voted down after about, I think it's like three years of the process. It turned out that a lot of investors were beginning to buy properties in R1 zoning and communities, and that definitely created an issue for the homeowners in those areas. The TJPDC meetings always include a roundtable where representatives from the different localities are able to give updates on what's happening. Tommy Barlow is on the Louisa County Board of Supervisors. Looks like to me every meeting we're dealing with um, mid-year appropriations that weren't expected, such as uh, sheriff's department raises to keep up with other counties. We just lost our uh, deputy uh, county administrator, so we're looking to hire another one. Employment was also on the mind of Albemarle Supervisor Donna Price, who said a thorough review of compensation will soon get underway. We are facing loss of some critical people, primarily because of compensation packages from governmental entities that are extremely difficult for us to match. I I would, just as one supervisor speaking, anticipating we're going to have to put some more money into our labor expenses in the county um, in order to avoid losing some of our better people. Tony O'Brien is on the Fluvanna Board of Supervisors. He agreed that the cost of paying people to do government work is increasing. Because Louisa raised their pay rate for the sheriff's office, Fluvanna had to follow in turn as well, too. Um, obviously, the sheriff's compensation, deputy compensation, is a is an issue for, for many, many counties as recruitment is uh, continuously difficult. O'Brien suggested a regional compensation study be conducted. As part of her report, TJPDC Executive Director Christine Jacobs reminded the board that Charlottesville City Council extended their local COVID emergency due to a high number of cases. How that affects us here is we will continue to hold our public bodies, partnerships, commissions um, virtually uh, to to ensure that we are um, keeping it as safe as possible for people. The chair of the TJPDC is Jesse Rutherford of Nelson County. Rutherford said Nelson is considering a recreation center and a business park, among other things. He also had this news. I'm excited to announce Lovingston is getting its first brewery here soon uh, after our vote on Tuesday. So we'll, we will be getting our first brewery in there. That's big news. Mm-hmm. According to the Lynchburg News in Advance, supervisors voted unanimously on October 12th for a special use permit for the Outback Brewhouse to operate at the site of a former church on US-29. Rutherford told the News Advance that this may begin to alleviate pressure on Route 151, which has seen multiple alcohol-related businesses spring up over the years. Outback Brewhouse will be a microbrewery. 
And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, a catch-up edition. This has been a week where I've had a lot of other things to do, so I've not been able to keep up the pace as usual. That will change this weekend with a series of newsletters that are being prepped for next week. I really do appreciate all of your support, and if you don't know how you can contribute to this program, the best thing you can do, of course, is to send it on to somebody else. That's a great free way to build the audience. The more people who take a look at this, the more people who know what's going on. The other thing you can do is subscribe through Substack at either $5 a month, $50 a year, or $200 a year if you would like to support this newsletter coming out as often as possible. What you get for that is a little bit of extra content, including this week I posted a link to September's property transactions. That material is archived on InfoSeville. Uh, you might have seen links to InfoSeville, which is another town crier production outlet, which is still being fleshed out and described. Uh, and this weekend, I hope to spend some time uh, making that make a little bit more sense. In the meantime, thank you for allowing me to try to make sense of what's happening in this community. Thank you for your support, and please stay safe out there. We'll see you next time in the next edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement.